When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is so nice to have you here, as always. Today's conversation is so good. We are talking about green careers for whatever stage of life that you are in. Whether you are looking for your very first career, whether you're looking to pivot into a career that's more aligned with your environmental goals and values, whether you're really happy in your career but you just want to influence the workplace a little bit, this conversation is truly for everyone. It is so valuable and thoughtful and filled with a lot of immediately implementable tips and reflections for you. We're speaking today with Yesh Plavnik-Slenk. Yesh is the Network Senior Manager of the Environmental Defense Fund's Climate Corps program, and she is an expert at helping folks get paid to save the planet. Yesh oversees the training and mentorship of over 3,000 sustainability professionals worldwide. Her work with these fellows throughout many companies and cities has really helped accelerate clean energy projects and climate goals. Collectively, these Climate Corps fellows have helped identify energy savings worth more than $1.6 billion dollars the equivalent of over 2.2 million metric tons of carbon emissions. So Yesh is an expert in helping people get those dream jobs saving the planet. Yesh is also the host of Degrees, Real Talk About Planet Saving Careers, a top charting careers podcast. The new season just launched last month in September. This is actually the fifth season of Degrees, and it features a new segment called Ask Yesh, where she answers listener questions about green jobs, building skills, really flourishing and advancing in these careers. It's a really cool show because it highlights all of the different ways we can think more deeply about careers and really helps us understand the path to get to those careers. I loved listening back to my conversation with Yesh because she has this really beautiful cadence to her voice. I feel like her advice is so approachable and friendly and applicable in whatever way you choose to see it. And I think you can kind of tell that she's also a podcaster because she asks really thoughtful questions. She's very reflective and just shares so much information and knowledge. And it feels so good to realize that there are so many ways to get involved in the climate crisis in the workplace from your career perspective. And I think for a long time, the term green jobs was quite limiting. And we do get into that on today's conversation But I hope you leave today understanding that there is an entry point for everyone, whatever industry you're in, whatever field you're in. You have so many options to really craft a career that aligns with your climate conscious values. I was really, really excited to speak with Yesh because I have admired the Environmental Defense Fund for a really long time as a consumer. And I don't really talk about my day job on this podcast very often, if at all, but I also work for a nonprofit. So it's interesting to have a conversation with someone that's in a similar industry that I am, in a similar sector and field, and we both have very complementary understandings of what it means to get into the climate space from the nonprofit perspective, from the corporate perspective, and I feel like Yesh and I vibed so well, 
And again, she's someone who I really appreciated learning from. I was excited to speak with her. And then afterwards, I was so proud of the conversation that we had that you're going to be listening to today. Because again, I really do feel like there's something for everyone here. And you can go and start immediately thinking about some of these points. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to a friend, send it to someone who is looking to change careers or looking to open their eyes to new career options. Post it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at Podcast. All of my links are always in the show notes. I'm spending a lot of time on TikTok these days, but my email is also down there. And I will also leave below the Google form that I mentioned last week. In order to celebrate 200 episodes of Eco Chic, I cannot believe we've made it so far. I will be sending out stickers to anyone who would like a sticker. It is a circle sticker of the podcast logo for your water bottles and laptops and anything like that. I'm really excited to be sending them out. I've been sharing them on Instagram and I've already sent out a lot, a lot of stickers, but anyone who wants one can get one, just that Google form down in the show notes. With that, let's get into today's conversation. We are speaking with Yesh Plavnik-Slenk, the Network Senior Manager of the Environmental Defense Fund's Climate Corps Program and the host of Degrees. We're speaking all about green careers. Hope you enjoy. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm glad that we've had a minute to get to know each other a little bit. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited about this. It's very energizing for me to talk with other people who are telling stories and motivating others to think about climate change and how they fit into solutions. So this is the best part of my day, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is the highlight of my whole week, and I'm so excited to speak with you because, especially on the topic of careers, you have created a space, a really special space, to talk to people about careers that may not have even occurred to them, folks that are concerned about climate change and they want to be involved, but they just don't know where to start. So I'd love to just start our conversation today, really setting the scene with how climate change is interacting with careers across the board. That's a great question. And it's a very simple answer. The answer is it's intersecting everywhere. We are anticipating that, and by we, I mean myself, EDF, people who are in this space, that the talent, the number of jobs, the number of green jobs, climate-related jobs are going to outpace the number of people who are ready to take them. We're approaching this moment where the policy is coming into place, companies are getting on board, culture is getting on board and awake to this crisis that we're facing and the need to change how we live, how we work, how we function, how we interact in the world. And we're going to need to change a lot about what we do. So the answer is, Climate change is interacting with every job, and we're going to see a lot more actualization of climate change-related work coming down the pike very shortly. In fact, my LinkedIn feed right now is overflowing with climate-related jobs because people are really getting hip to the needs that we have. Yeah, you mentioned a buzzword that I'd love to talk a little bit more about, green jobs, or I guess a buzz term. There's a lot of great technical and trade education that goes on when we think about green jobs. But I think that we've also kind of fallen to this place where green jobs has been a very limiting term for a lot of folks. And I'd love to talk a little bit about what your definition of a green job is in this current economy. 
That's a good question. And I've done some research on this specific term. And the truth is no one has a great definition. When I think about and when I talk about green jobs, I'm talking about everyone from solar installers to people who are working on greening their supply chain or setting scope three targets or uh, setting renewable energy targets. I think that the green part for me is the motivation behind the end product. So whether it's a, a physical contribution or an analytics contribution, or even if it's a traditional operations function in a green company, that too is a green job. So if you are an HR professional at a B Corp, you have a green job, even if your day-to-day -day isn't installing solar panels or wind turbines. Yeah, that's very thoughtful. And I like that definition of green job because you're right. Every time you hear someone define it, it's a little bit different. Every time you look it up, it's a little vague, but exactly, it's about motivation. Yeah. Quick break to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Cozy Earth. You've heard me talk about Cozy Earth before, and I really do believe that they make the best night's sleep. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high quality goods with responsibly, sustainably sourced materials from the earth. I am always talking about the Cozy Earth pajamas. The loungewear from Cozy Earth is crafted from the same breathable, luxurious material as their bedding, and it really offers optimal comfort and maintains this really elegant fit. I was influenced years ago to try out Cozy Earth, and I know I'm not the only one that raves about them. Cozy Earth was actually featured on Oprah's favorite list four years in a row, and they have a 10-year warranty on all their products. Cozy Earth sheets are softer than cotton, made from soft and sustainable viscose, bamboo fabrics, ultra sustainable. And my favorite part, honestly, is that they're temperature regulating. It means it keeps you cool and comfortable all night long. I'm a girl who gets hot in her sleep. It's honestly so gross and so uncomfortable to be waking up in the middle of the night or even in the morning like damp. Oh my God, I'm so sorry that I said that. But there's something about having the right loungewear and the right bedding that just keeps you cool and comfortable all night long. Cozy Earth also offers a 100-night sleep test, which means you can try the sheets for 100 nights, and if you don't love them, you can send them back for a full refund, but honestly, you're not going to need that. You are really going to love them. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer code for my listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use code ECOCHIC. If you want the coziest bedding, bath, and apparel, go to CozyEarth.com, use code ECOCHIC for 35% off. Today's show is also brought to you by Bite. When I started to reduce my plastic consumption in my personal care products especially, the hardest thing for me to find a replacement for was toothpaste tubes. I've heard about Bite for a long time and I really value clean ingredients in all of my personal care products however I can, so it felt like it was about time for me to give their toothpaste tablets a try. A lot of commercial toothpastes are filled with harsh chemicals, artificial flavors, preservatives, and here is a crazy stat that I learned. We swallow about five to 7% of our toothpaste every single time we brush our teeth. That is an entire blob of toothpaste once a week. It is really crazy to think that that amount of toothpaste is going into your body and perhaps they're not the best ingredients for you. So beyond being plastic free, I really appreciate that Bite makes dry toothpaste tablets made with clean ingredients, sulfate free, palm oil free, and glycerin free. Bite toothpaste bits are so convenient, you pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up, and start brushing, and it'll turn into a paste, just like we've used all our lives, but without the plastic tube and without like the messiness of commercial toothpaste. I love a refillable product that is no secret around here. Bite toothpaste bits come in these refillable glass jars and they send refills in compostable pouches. So better for our bodies, better for the earth. Again, no more plastic toothpaste tubes. 
Also, it's really nice that these sleek glass bottles and jars that the Bite toothpaste bits come in just look good on your vanity. Just really elevates the bathroom experience, in my personal opinion. It feels like a win-win-win. No harsh chemicals, no extra plastic, and it looks good. I mean, what more can we ask for? Bite is offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash ecochic or use code ecochic at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash eco chic. It will be in the show notes. I'd love to talk also about this example you gave of folks that are greening their supply chains. It got me thinking a lot about individuals who may already be in careers that aren't traditionally labeled as green jobs. And a lot of folks are faced with the reality that they're concerned about climate change. They don't feel like their job right now is super aligned with that value. But there is also opportunity to pivot a little bit to some extent in a career. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that. Folks who are in jobs that they enjoy, but they just like to be a little bit more climate focused. What's your advice to those people? Well, I think... 30,000 foot view here. First, I have to say that if anyone is at any point in their career, whether you're just starting out or you are already well on your way, if you are feeling anxious about climate change, I I see you. I am you. Um, I know, Laura, you feel the same way and you're in good company with us. And I want to be super clear and say that the planet needs your talent and the planet needs your energy and the planet needs you to be working on climate change solutions. And the reality is that climate change is here. We know this. It's already changing the way that we breathe and eat and raise our children and spend our leisure time and plan for the future. And it's only going to get worse. So if you're already thinking about dedicating all or part of your career to fighting climate change, which by the way, your career is a third of your life that's huge. If you think about it in those, in those terms, you need to start working on it now and not in five years or in 10 years when your anxiety level is through the roof, but you should start working on it now. And, you know, working on climate change can look really different no matter where you are in your career. Uh, You could focus on policy. You could focus on advocacy or climate tech or work for a startup. And like I said before, you could also be in a support function, um, working in HR or in accounting, but supporting a company or an organization that has a green mission. And I, I always tell green job seekers that the best way to build a satisfying green career is to understand what your gifts are. And I'm sorry, this is a very long way of coming to answer your question, but to understand what your gifts are, what experiences you have that are valuable to bring to the table, and then find a way to match that with the climate fight. Because if we're going to change everything, we need everyone. And uh, and that may take a little bit of reflection, especially for folks who are already um, established in their career. Um, once you sort of have that realization and have that gut check in with yourself that this is what you need to be working on for the career changers, it's a matter of adapting those skills and finding ways that you can either influence and adapt your work, have conversations with people that you work with about how they can adapt their work, or maybe it's going back to school, getting more education certifications and pivoting to 
an opportunity that can really align with that mission that you are now committed to. For people who are just starting out in their career, the answer is a little bit different, especially for folks who don't exactly know where they want to go in the climate movement. I get emails from, and uh, I have phone calls with people all the time who are like, I care about this, but I don't know what to do. And to them, I say, I actually reference them to an article uh, by Trish Kenlin of Sustainable Career Pathways. She helps people think about their place in the climate change career space using four questions. What sector do you want to work in? What industry do you want to work in? What role do you want to have? And what issues do you want to work on? And once you figure out the answer to those questions, and you may need to talk with some people along the way to figure out the answers to those questions, then you will have a clear path and a goal to sort of work backwards from, whether it's building your skill set or experience or building your education so that you can really advance toward that goal. So I'll stop there and see if you have any follow-ups because, you know, I think my main message is if you want to work on this, there is a place for you. And we just need to find out what you're really good at, what you really care about and match that to the many, many opportunities that are out there right now. Thank you so much for that very thorough breakdown of crafting this path for yourself in a green career, whatever stage you're in. If you have this clear vision to say, I want to work in X sector, or I want to work for a B Corps or a nonprofit, whatever else it may be, how do you go from having that vision to actualizing that? What is the advice? What is the pathway for actually finding that green job of your dreams? Once you have the answer to those four questions, the sector, the industry, the role, the issues that you want to work on, then you really have to map your path. I was talking to a job seeker the other day who is fresh out of college. They want to work on policy. They live in the Midwest, but they they just haven't quite figured out what their home is. And what they're doing for themselves, which I think is really smart, is they've they've assigned themselves the homework of going on a listening tour. They're talking to 50 people who are working in some kind of policy-related role in the area they want to work in, and they're gleaning a little bit from everybody's journey. And they're doing that for two reasons. One, it's really helping them get acquainted with the space that they want to be in, as in the organizations, uh, what a day-to-day looks like. And they're simultaneously building a network of people who are excited to help them and have them join you know, their league of talent. I think it's smart because when you talk to people who care about what you care about, who have shared values, who are doing what you want to do, it's very, very energizing. And I think that building that community is a key part to actually making moves toward that goal of that green career. Yeah. I like that you mentioned community because initially my familiarity with the climate core is through the fellowship program that they offer to graduate students. And I think that across the board programs like climate cores fellowship program, like I mentioned to you, I did this summer program at UIC, a lot of the kind of short-term immersive educational experiences that I became familiar with during my early days and looking for a climate change related job, et cetera, a lot of the value in that is building community. Yes, the technical resources are great. Yes, the knowledge that you're gaining is great. But a lot of 
jobs, a lot of realizations, a lot of that personal growth in the professional space has to come through community. So I feel like there is so much value in doing a listening tour, like you said, and calling up someone that you already respect in the field and just getting their sense of the story. There's so much value in just hearing firsthand experiences. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I think you're right. And those conversations can yield even so much more than connections. Practically speaking, you can learn about the skills that it really takes to work in a specific field that may not be obvious that you may not have in your toolkit, but you can work on because you had access to that conversation as well as what's coming down the pike. You know, what jobs are going to be needed in that space in five years, 10 years so that you can be prepared. But on the point of community, and I'm so glad you teased that out because one thing about climate change work, environmental movement work is the, the hard truth that this is really hard work and it is scary work sometimes. And sometimes it's lonely work, depending on how many people are on your team working on this too. And as this profession grows and companies and cities become more aware that this is important, yes, slowly but surely teams will grow. But until then, community, whether it's your direct community within your organization or whether it's a community that you've built for yourself of peers and mentors, I think that's really key to the success of your work and your career and your ability to make impact. Um, because like I said, it's very energizing and sustainability professionals are a great breed. I mean, they are all about sharing solutions in a way that I don't think we see that in other sectors because they have this shared vision for our planet and our collective future. So sharing solutions doesn't degrade their competitive advantage at their company or, or organization. They like to share solutions and experiences because if someone else is also doing it, the collective impact is that much greater and that much faster. Um, and I think a lot of companies are starting to see that without meaningful progress by a lot of people and a lot of peers, the way they do business won't exist or won't be able to exist as they plan to. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you mentioned that there is this pivot that companies and industries entirely need to make to facilitate sustainability or to facilitate climate change solutions and real climate commitments. And I'd love to talk a little bit now pivoting about this person who is in a role that they are happy with their role, but they realize that their company may not have those same climate commitments that they hold so high in value. What do individuals have in their toolbox to kind of influence sustainability solutions in their workplace? Yeah, I, I hear this question most called out as greening the workplace and greening the workplace. If you Google articles on it, it's so, it just like makes my eyes roll and my skin crawl. <laughs> yes. It's very service level. It's like go paperless. And it's like, right. we've done that. It's 2022. Right. Like what are our other options to truly green the workplace? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked because I think there are a lot more meaningful ways to green the workplace. I mean, I mean, there are things you can and should do to your workspace um, and your workplace culture that, uh, you know, are sort of more or less low-hanging fruit. Recycle, you know, use 
dishes instead of disposable plates and silverware. But I, I think some creative ways on that sort of in that sort of like surface level immediate category is put plants in your office. Um, plants suck carbon out of the atmosphere and they also filter the air to make it a healthier place to physically be. And, you know, they enhance your office. So I always like to recommend that. Oftentimes in the workplace, you get a gift or a prize, or there's a contest, you know, if you're meeting sales goals or whatever, instead of giving something physical that people may or may not want, I always recommend that people give digital gift cards to a sustainable retailer. So you're giving the recipient the power to choose their own thing that they really want, especially if it's physical and you're able to support businesses with that green mission who are really delivering on impact. And then another fun one I like to recommend is participating in daylight hour. And this is an international social media campaign that has been around for a long time uh, from the building energy exchange in New York. It's the, the idea is to promote the fact that daylight and just using daylight instead of overhead lights actually is a much healthier, emotionally healthier way to work oftentimes. And of course it saves energy. So participating in daylight hour can be a really great way to, to bring that awareness to your office and to take advantage of the, the uh, carbon emissions reduction benefits. But I think what you're asking about is, you know, how do you move your company to to green itself um, from the inside out and in their practices, in their policy, in their advocacy, in their mission. And I think the first step is educating yourself on how climate change could impact your business. And, and then to start talking to decision makers and asking them how they're already starting to think about that. And an example I like to give is we worked a number of years ago with a company that made vitamins. And the reason they started thinking about climate change, and this is now over a decade ago, is because the farms where they uh, they source a lot of their ingredients and materials were starting to experience climate change, and that was impacting their supply chain. So they really needed to get aggressive educating themselves on their sources for those ingredients, and they needed to educate themselves and get aggressive about future solutions to redeveloping packaging or shipping. And they've really been able to revamp their brand when they recognized that they couldn't project their business's success into the future, given how climate change was impacting their work already. So asking those questions, how does climate change impact our business? Are we already planning for it? That will really start building conversation and tension in some ways uh, to start actually making changes. I think you can also find out who or what your company lobbies for to give you a little bit more insight about their values and learn about and maybe start conversations around that. You can advocate for paid time off for voting. And that's one that people don't often think about. You know, policy is just one of those levers that we need to make progress on climate and, you know, showing up to vote and being able to vote is a big part of that, especially as more candidates run on climate platforms. And this is not, you know, a shameless plug, although it is, but hire a Climate Corps fellow or an intern who can start tackling some of those climate change related questions you may have about your work or your company's work or opportunities to save money and 
do better by the planet and have a fellow, a really smart grad student or intern be laser focused on answering those questions where you or your colleagues may not have the time or bandwidth or education or resources or network to answer those questions yourself. So those are just some ideas. There are, there are many more. I do appreciate that plug for hiring an intern or hiring <laughs> yes. a core fellow because, because it's true. At the end of the day, perhaps a company is concerned, an office, a team is concerned about sustainability or more largely climate commitments or how climate is affecting their business. But when you are operating a business, you don't necessarily have the capacity to spend your time thinking about pivoting your plans to accommodate for climate change. That's a huge suck of your resources, of your time. And again, like you said, perhaps you don't have the, again, the resources, the education, whatever the technical training may be in order to tackle some of these questions. So thinking about getting help where you need it is a, another really powerful solution when we talk about accelerating climate solutions, not just finding the solutions, but actually making them happen. I agree. And, and I also want to share that it may feel like you care about this issue in a silo, but there are so many studies out there about how many people are worried about this. I was actually looking at this stat this morning. 81% of employers in the United States say that it matters to their employees that an environmental climate strategy is part of their value proposition. And half of the people that they surveyed in this, in this survey, um, I can send you a link, say that they would quit if their company's values didn't align with their own. And that's a position of, first of all, recognizing that you're not alone in caring about this. You could probably find a, lo a lot of allies in your workplace who you know, similarly are looking for opportunities or want to take action. And also to recognize your collective power as employees who care to make the stand that your talent will be matched only with organizations that match your values. And if you really care about climate and your company doesn't, there are a lot of opportunities out there and companies want to retain you. It's expensive to retrain people. It's expensive to recruit so they they want people to stay. And I think you have more leverage than you probably think you do um, when asking some of those tough questions and starting those conversations, um, which hopefully lead to progress. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's a really good tip. And I want to now quickly ask Pivot to a fun question. You have made an incredible career out of helping people find their dream careers. And you also have this incredible opportunity to connect with people that have exciting, novel, different approaches to crafting these climate careers through degrees. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about perhaps some of the most unexpected climate careers that you've come across and explored in your time. What a great question. Um... You know, we're in now in the fifth season of the Degrees podcast, and on Degrees, we tell stories and we talk to people who are using their careers in interesting ways, unexpected ways, in, in unexpected roles sometimes to fight climate change. So, you know, just this season, I talked with a fire scientist. He's Native American, and he's changing how the National Forest Service thinks about wildfires, how we contain them, how we maintain forest health. And, and some of those traditional Native American indigenous practices 
they're helping to fight climate change now because that wisdom had been uh, suppressed. So part of his role is as a fire scientist and part of his role is decolonizing fire. It's a, you know, a fascinating way to approach a career in climate change. Another person I talked with this season is electrifying school bus fleets. And he started out as an HVAC guy working in Southern California, and he took a job in the local school district near his home uh, and saw opportunities to not only save energy for the school, but to also educate a, uh, a younger audience about how they can see themselves in the climate change green career movement, uh, doing something as simple as uh, you know managing the physical operations of a school district and some of the adopting some of the technologies like electric vehicle school buses, electric school buses. I'm also talking to people who are in traditional roles in corporate sustainability, but others who are investing in climate tech and using money and billions, literally billions of dollars as a lever to fight climate change and fund new technologies that will decarbonize our planet and accelerate our adoption of clean technologies. So I'm just fascinated, I think, and impressed and dazzled by the ways that people have seen their own skills within themselves as an engineer, having, you know, a cultural education of being a finance person or um, a really good project planner or educator, and then finding that opportunity that helps them achieve what they can in the climate change movement. That's exciting. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for that great overview of some really cool approaches to climate careers. I want to lastly speak about your other very full-time role. We said a one third of our life is spent in our career. You have made a career of helping other people find their dream careers. And your other very full-time role is that of a mother. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about how climate change conversations happen with your daughters, if at all. Well, they're one and three years old. So we haven't had deep conversations about climate change yet, but I do bake conservation and the value that my husband and I have not to waste into things that we're teaching them as part of our household and how we work. And I think that not only by talking about this and as they get older, going into more detailed context, but also modeling for them that I work on, and my husband too works on something that they're we're really passionate about, and we bring our skills and our whole hearts to every day. I hope that they will will see that as an example and follow suit, um, and and grow up with those values to preserve life and protect life and the environment as they grow up and experience the world. Yeah, I have to ask a personal question, I suppose, and please feel free to knock me down. But I imagine that there must also be a little bit of guilt, climate guilt, or mom guilt that is slowly seeping its way into some of these interactions when you talk about conservation with your daughters, however that may be at their age. And I'd love to talk a little bit about that. How do you cope with any of these feelings of guilt around environmental issues or work issues, whatever it may be? 
Oh my gosh. So much guilt. (laughs) It is absolutely impossible to be a parent and not feel guilt about everything. (laughs) But for me and my kids and climate change, I mean, it, it, it breaks my heart when I spend too much time thinking about, and I might like cry a little bit when I talk about this, but the uncertain future that I see them growing up in, like there's so much going on in the world. That's so heartbreaking. I often feel guilt about like, ah, what did I bring them into this? You know, this is madness, but the way that I cope with that is to first use my working hours to get everyone I possibly can to work on climate change because we need so many more people and so much more impact than I can offer myself. So if I I feel like if I can get people to do this, that will be part of building a better future for them. And then I just love them as much as I can because I need to build them up as young girls and women so that they can be strong and resourceful and ready to tackle the challenges of the future that will be affected by climate change. Thank you. I love that. That was really, really sweet. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm not a mother, but I feel like I don't hear very often about this intersection of mom guilt and climate guilt. And I have to imagine that it's a lot more common of a sentiment then people probably give it credit for. Because if you are someone who deeply cares about the environment and also deeply cares about your children, why wouldn't you be concerned about both of those things in tandem? So thank you for speaking about this. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a point that, you know, it it really riles me up a little bit when I talk to people or I listen to people who are in denial of climate change or feel like, a little doomsday about climate change. Like what can I do to impact things? And I feel like you nailed the the crux of my argument to them, which is that if you are a person in this world that cares about one other person and their future and the future that you envision includes a safe home and healthy food to eat and access to electricity and safety and work, then you have to care about climate change. And especially if you're a parent, all of those things are true. <laughs> so it's it's time to unparalyze yourself and find a way to contribute to solutions and tap into that hope that will inspire action to work toward that vision of the future that you want for yourself and people you care about. I do have a question for you. If sure. you have an answer or are willing to, I don't know if you want to include sure. it, but One thing that I'm so curious about talking to other people in the sustainability green job space. And I asked this on the podcast, if you, if you, Laura, look into your green jobs, crystal ball, what jobs do you see coming down the pike related to your work, whether it's the podcast or at RMI that people who care about this and want to have a career should be prepared for, or thinking about, or skilling towards. That's a great question. I was initially thinking that you were going to ask me about spaces where I think we should have more green jobs. And my answer Mm. to that was going to be in local government. Oh, yes. I really feel like local government, for whatever reason, is not a sexy, attractive option to people younger in their careers. And I think it's a great place to start. And I think it's the most immediate way that a lot of folks can get involved 
not just in their local communities, but you really can see the impact of your, of your work kind of immediately in a local government role. So I'd love to see more emphasis put on that for young people. But I think when it comes to skills in the green job space, I think for a long time, we've assumed that green jobs had to be very technical jobs. And we spoke about this a little bit earlier. People assume that if they want to work in climate change, they need to be a scientist or whatever else it may be, a more technical research oriented role. And I think that the soft skills of climate change careers have been overlooked for a long time. So deeply understanding equity work, like you mentioned, the wonderful work of the fire scientist who comes from a Native American background who can use some of that indigenous knowledge to support the more technical side of his role as well. I think that there's a huge equity component to climate change that's been ignored for a really long time, a huge kind of like people-focused compassion space for it as well, because this is emotional work. So I hope that more soft skills trainings is incorporated in the future. Literally no one has said that all season. So I am really happy that you brought that up and brought that to the conversation. And I hope that you keep this part in the podcast because you're so smart and have such great perspective. And I think that's really valuable to this conversation. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. That's a really good question. I I'm curious to know what your answer is. What do you think is a skill set that more people should be considering in the green job space? Well, I think there are two, you know, one is storytelling. There's no more powerful motivator, as you know, to getting people to take action or change their minds than relatable stories. So that's one. But the other is project management. I We need people who are going to be able to think about not just getting the work done and the steps that it takes to get it done to achieve a goal that a company has set, but who also are able to manage relationships. And the truth is there's just going to be a lot of work. (laughs) There's just going to be a lot of work and we're going to have to work fast and we need organized, smart people who can keep the ball rolling and, and, and keep the progress at full steam. Yeah. That's a really good one. Project management is one of those very tangible skills. Like that's something you can learn how to do and learn how to do well. And it's applicable across the board. That's a great suggestion. Yes. In any industry, any field. And then I think my sort of second answer to that is analysts, people who are using the data, can analyze the data, can make the case based on real numbers. You can't argue with that. So that that really also moves policy at the government level and at the company level. So lots of opportunity and very you know, applicable skills across the board. What a good question. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for answering. It's fun to to hear from the host too. (laughs) Well, you're so good at it. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Yesh Plavnik Slank. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I loved, loved, loved having this conversation and listening back to it because I really do feel like, again, there is something for everyone here, whatever stage of the career that you're in. If you enjoyed this episode, please do let me know. You can rate and review the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you are listening right now. I bet you are, but like, just go ahead and double check. I will have down in the show notes all of my links where you can get in touch with the Environmental Defense Fund. And I'll have that Google form if you would like to get some stickers from me to celebrate 200 episodes. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to today's episode of Eco Chic. I hope you enjoyed it and I will talk to you very, very soon. Bye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.